Hello, everybody. This is Opposing the Matrix. It is the 9th of March, 2020. Mm-hmm. You'd never know it from the weather outside, for goodness sake. So that ice on the windshield this morning. <clears throat> but um, anyway, uh, Amanda, we got a show for you tonight. That's all I got to say. Um, I think we're just going to keep going. This is going to be like a steamroller show. You know, it's it's just going to keep going and going and going right till the end. So uh, I don't want to take up too much time. Um, first of all, guys, what I'd like to explore uh, and all those thoughts that we had earlier. Um, and Eric, you know, I want you to chime in, too. Well, everybody's going to chime in on this one. But um, I was talking with Ralphie Epperson yesterday. And um, <clears throat> we've come to the conclusion that what's going to happen with this Democratic primary thing is that they're going to have such a um, a bad gene pool to pull from <clears throat> that nobody's going to want anybody. And lo and behold, somebody's going to come in the distance riding up on her black horse. <clears throat> and her name is yep. Hillary Rodham Clinton. And she's going to say, I'll run. And all of a sudden it's going to be, okay, well, all of our delegates vote for you. You're running. <clears throat> so what do you guys think about that? Oh, uh, that's a possibility. I've also heard, uh, you know, the possibility of Michelle Obama coming up. God help. But boy, I tell you what, as a Democratic voter, if I voted in a primary, you know, for a certain candidate, regardless if I agree with them or not politically right now, and then um, my vote got overwritten by uh, the influence. You know, influencing the superdelegates, which is what happens is it doesn't matter who you vote for. Those superdelegates pretty much override everything anyway. So that's right. how they can kind of control things. So uh-huh. I'd, I'd be pretty upset. So I, I would do one of two things. I would either not vote in the election coming right. up right. or I would I would vote for the opposing party to punish the um, for not honoring my vote Ooh, in the primary. Interesting. Yeah, I never thought about that aspect of it. So <laughs> Wow. So, and, well, uh, well, somebody made a comment yesterday, and I'm sorry, Jim, I didn't mean to cut you off, but um, they, I don't know if you saw the Time magazine, but it looked like Hillary is the woman of the year or something like that, or was, I can't remember. But um, <clears throat> And if you look at Hillary without makeup, she there, there's farms that have less ruts in the ground than she has on her face. And, um, and you know, that's a consequence, consequence of getting old and plus of sin and evil in her case. But... Um, Anyway, um, she was looking not too bad. <clears throat> you know, I know you could do a lot with makeup, but, you know, makeup doesn't hide everything. And uh, the conjecture is that she's been really Botoxing it up. And, and Jim and I were talking earlier on the phone, and I said, there's there's only a few reasons why a woman will get all gussied up like that. One's for a man, okay? We know that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, and another one is um, women like to impress women. They dress for women. They don't dress for guys. They dress for other women. And what better way to con- convince everybody in, you know, all the female voters that, hey, I'm the candidate. And they wouldn't vote for her the way she looked, you know, the last three years or whatever. But um, she's doing something to, to try to impress somebody. And I, I just got a feeling that, you know, she's going to come out of the gate and it's going to be uh, her and, and Trump again. And, uh, and well, we'll have to see, you know. Um, but still, I mean, they'll still do it by a landslide, <clears throat> maybe, maybe even more. <laughs> But, I think the only reason she uh, looks so young is she drank more baby blood from the sacrifice right. at Bohemian Grove. You know, yeah, they, they already have eternal life. Uh, they already took the mark of the beast. And, you know, that's yeah. throwing a curve into the whole thing, but um, it's already, 
you know, they've been conduit. Every president except Trump has had to go to um, Bohemian Grove. And Trump right. did go to Bohemian Grove, but they had some kind of a, like an earthquake or something. And it was a diversion that was caused mm-hmm. when he was there. Right. And he was, he was able to get rid of it. And uh-huh. they thought he took it. And once you take it, believe it or not, through somehow, whatever that is, that's when you cross over the line and you're no longer fully human. Well, I don't know exactly what it does, but I, I know that that has been the transformation point for every president ever since. Um, uh, um, right after uh, Nixon Truman. was there, I know that. Truman, yeah. Truman. Oh, I know, and Nixon, I, I wonder, I know in Nixon's, I wonder if he thought he could do still do some good on the inside rather than outside, and uh, he might have went along with it. So I don't, I don't know with him. I, it's a shame, but yeah, if he crossed over, he crossed over. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know that's why Ginsburg. You know, look at she's dead and now she's alive. She's dead, you know, I mean. He, She's like woman's been on her deathbed several times, and then all of a sudden she's back and up spry and, and everything. So yeah, that, that can only be by satanic witchcraft of some kind. Some kind of stuff like that, I think, is you know more of what's really going on. Of course, I'm I'm taking all the extremes, but it's not that I always take that extreme. But I think those are the things that are that are going on that are perpetuating them. Um, they're no longer bound by by time or space, and they're not bound by um, death because they have taken he crossed over 100 percent with the god of this world whether they know that and perceive it or not most of them i think that are on that level now they know who they're working for they know it's a whole luciferian uh initiation and uh so i think it's more like that but the other thing is we have the anti-trump bernie sanders is a communist purist he's not part of the new world order i really don't think he is so that he's kind of like like I said, he's the anti-Trump. He is a loose cannon that isn't part of the New World Order. He is a uh, a diehard, true, I guess you would say, purist communist. And he's not ashamed to admit it. You no, know, he's he not. Is. I mean, he's, uh, he's, <laughs> he's, stated, he's pretty much stated that uh, he's more than willing to use military force against yeah. his, the, own, his, the own citizens of the United States, you know, to enact his will. No, yeah, it's yeah. it's total Bolshevik stuff, you know. Yeah, I, of course, <laughs> <What's your language? laughs> it is, it, it is, and so so we got a lot of weirdness going on. Right. I don't even think I really truly think that by the time November comes around, there's not going to be a Democratic Party even to exist. There'll be no election. Well, there ain't one now. It's I, it's, it's just socialism well, it's, with a false name on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, um, but I think most of them are going to be in Gitmo, or they're going to be in uh, Leavenworth. Oh, from your not from your lips to God's ears. <clears throat> so, but uh, I I just wanted to start off out of the gate with that because I wanted to get it over with. And you know, at our age, you know, things come and go pretty easy. So you got to kind of, when it comes to your brain, you got to get it out there, yeah, or else it'll go away forever. But um, <clears throat> we, uh, I I don't know, Jim. I I built the show as being technology conspiracy and. And man, oh man, oh man. Um, I guess we could. Uh, well, let me let me get this out of the way before before we go anywhere else. Okay, if you would 
do me the the honor. Um, I was reading the other day, and I've read this before, and you probably have too, you guys, um, that uh, there, and I don't want to sound like I'm getting into the new age, because I'm really not. I hate the new age, but there are certain uh, elements of uh, nature and physics that the new age talks about that, that are real. And one of those things is that there's um, there's a resonance, there's a, a frequency. I'm not going to use the word vibration because um, that's their word. But anyway, um, everything has a resonancy about it. And um, now I, I was looking here online and um, and I read this a long time ago um, that it used to be that music um, was played in um, uh I think I can't remember what chord it is, but it's 432 hertz. And if if you don't know what a hertz is, it's it's a sign a sign. Oh, you probably don't know what that is either. But um, it's uh, you have a you have a square line or a straight line that goes across, and you have a wave that goes underneath, and you have a wave that goes over over the line, and that one wave is a hertz. Okay. So when you hear about uh, your your favorite AM station have 15 uh, uh, 1,500 hertz. It's uh, kilohertz, rather. It's really 1.5 megahertz. Anyway, uh, it's it's those little lines, that many little lines for 1,530 little lines in a in a matter of a second. Okay, um, which is you know it's quite phenomenal when you think about it. But anyway, um, so 432 for music used to be the uh, the standard. All your beautiful music, like um, uh, all the classical music, was all played in in, in that um, that pitch. And uh, it wasn't until, I think, 1917 that the United States and, and Britain decided to go with 440 hertz. And uh, things have gone downhill. You know, they said that uh, the artist formerly known as Prince, but who is still Prince, um, he, he found this out. And he started to sing his music at 432 hertz. And I think that's why he had such a big following. Because 432 hertz is supposed to be soothing. It's supposed to appeal to the, to the human um to you to you your humanity your um oh your brain yeah your brain thank you <laughs> something i didn't have just a second ago uh but um yeah 1952 um it was it was changed uh in, in to 440 hertz and 440 hertz is uh they say kind of um uh agitates people it causes people to become angry and um not not pacifying like like 432 hertz and uh uh there are some artists that are that are actually tuning their instruments uh, the, this article i'm reading goes on to say that um the stradivarius you know they always talk about oh the stradivarius sounded so nice well the stradivarius was made to play at 432 hertz that's why it sounds so good, and that's why uh, new, newer violins sound like a cat fight outside sometimes. Um, but uh, so what am I getting at? Okay, well, this is a technology thing. This is um, it might seem harmless, but and it goes into these different um, conspiracy theories. You know, the guy's kind of making fun of conspiracy theories in, in this, and and I can see where people would do that. Um, but the, one of them is that the Rothschilds uh, commissioned uh, John Coolhan Deegan in 1910 um, to uh, change the change the uh, pitch to 440. Um, 
and then it was finally accepted in 1917. And another theory is that the Nazis used to use it to uh, to experiment, drive people crazy, or to agitate them. But anyway, where's the where's the conspiracy here? Where's the technology? Well, you're using music as a weapon, basically, or as a uh, dehumanizing factor. Maybe is a better way to put it. Um, there, there are many ways to do that, of course. You know, a harp does that, a blue beam does that, things like that. And those are more uh, contemporary forms of uh, conspiracy and, and driving people crazy. But uh, and you know what? I don't know if you guys can can identify with this. I used to be a big Rolling Stones fan, and I used to like, um, okay, Sweet Home Alabama. Who's saying this? Uh, uh, Alabama. No, no, Leonard Skinner. Oh, yeah, yeah, Leonard yeah. Skinner, and I, I used to love those groups. And when I got saved, I, I cut myself off of rock music totally. Okay, but about ten or fifteen years later, I found myself kind of getting into it again. And I noticed that when I listened to Christian music, I had a nice drive home, you know, no problems. But when I listened to the Rolling Stones, I would look down at the speedometer, be doing eighty miles an hour. Then I was starting to get an attitude, you know, a driver would come by and, you know, look at me the wrong way. And I'd, I'd say, oh, yeah, well, come on, pull over. Let's see. Let's, let's get this over with, you know. And, and then I finally realized, hey, you know, this music is affecting me the wrong way. And I stopped listening to it. Things got better. <laughs> so, um, you know, there's a lot to be said for this. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced anything like that, but um, uh, I don't know. It just... Uh, do you guys have anything to say about that, or should we well, the next I, I have a little bit of the opposite effect, um, and maybe you can clue me in on this. So I, I have a local radio, a Christian radio station I listen to, and uh, I don't know, I don't know what it is. A lot of the songs I listen to, uh, they actually start making me cry, and I don't know why. So oh, that's okay. That's maybe it's. So I don't, or, I don't know if that's good. I don't know if that's good or not. But it's um, the theme. I think it's the theme. A lot of it has right. to do with uh, what's so. rock and roll. Sex, drugs, and uh, rock and roll is what uh, the theme is for rock and roll. Yeah. Right. Those you songs know. are, you know, they're reminding you of what Christ did for you, and sometimes right. it can be overwhelming, and you're so yeah. thankful. Yes. Because yeah. it happens. I think that I think that's what it is, you know. But yeah. it, it there there definitely seems to be something in, um, that uh, you know tugs on the emotion aspect yeah. of uh, people uh, based on the type of music. So. It's interesting you brought that up because I, uh, I've always been a big Keith Green fan, and I think Keith was totally anointed um, yeah. with the Holy Spirit when he wrote his music and when he sang it. And a friend and I both agreed at one time that we were never going to listen to Keith Green again while we were driving because we'd start crying while we were driving, you know. And so, and still, even when I play his music sometimes at night when I'm by myself or something. Uh, it elicits that same emotion, and like you said, Jim, it's you know it's it's out of gratitude for what the Lord did and everything. So um, and and Keith's music was <clears throat> and a lot of Christian, um, although some of them are imitating the world now. Quite a few of them are, but um, a lot of Christian music ha- is like that. It has um, an air about it because it's written by the Holy Spirit. You know, a lot of rock music is written by basically. If you want to get down to it, you know, the devil inspires people to write music, too. You used to be the music minister in heaven, they say, you know, and uh, so. But Well, there was a guy way back in the 70s. Uh, I forget what his name was. Uh, I wish I could. Sorry. I, w- I wish I had it off my top of the head. But he talked about that um, 
with rock music, they would actually have some kind of satanic altar that they would uh, take the record that they produce, uh-huh. put it on that altar, uh, and do something with it. And then from that, they would actually uh, make, you know, the copies to to be distributed and sold in stores, right? Yeah. But it would it would if somehow copy the demonic essence that's on that master copy onto all these things that were being distributed as far as rock music was in the seventies. So right, right. Ah, I forget what that guy's name is. He's the one that really kind of started talking about the whole, um, back masking con- and stuff like that. Cons- consp- conspiracy and, uh, the, the Illuminati. Uh, what was his name? Guy from there's, the seventies. There's one guy named Roy blizzard that used to do that. Ah, I don't know if that's, if that's that, him. I don't know if that was his name or not. If John I can remember Todd. it, I'll mention it later in the, what's that? John Todd. Yep. yep. That's it. That's John, it. John you got Todd. it. Yeah. Yep. John Todd. Huh. He talked about the Illuminati. They, they laughed. They laughed at him. They laughed at him. I laughed at him. But you know what? Can't laugh now. Nope. 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 Well, you know, someone else mentioned a lot about sound, light, vibration. He was his name was Nikola Tesla. So right. it doesn't make me nervous at all. Um, people want to blame me of sounding like a new ager. I don't care. It's like there's an element of truth. This is why full gospel. Born again Christians have defected over to the New Age movement when they see all the goofy stuff on TV. Um, you know, they and they get discouraged by you know the, some of the silliness there, and there is a lot of silliness on some of the TV full gospel shows that are nothing but a three ring freak circus. Um, and I happen to believe I'm full gospel. I believe all the gifts are here for today and everything, but um, not the way. You know, the television shows it. And uh, so, you know, many of them have defected because they've discovered some real truths within this whole New Age movement. But just because something is true or real doesn't mean that it's real good or that you're actually seeing um, their perspective is, you know, off on it. And kind of in a sense, they're they're they've got a wrong premise and a wrong conclusion but they do recognize the physics that's there that is a reality. And <laughs> so so it's technology that's just like a gun sitting on a uh, on a desk. That gun can be used to save a life or it can be used to take a life, depending on who's holding it. The same with technology. Technology is the same way. It can be used in a positive way or it could be used in a very negative way. So when we're in these last days where everything and anything seems to be so corrupt, the first thing we got to understand, I mean, and this is a basic elemental thing. If you don't understand this, then that's why you laugh at, con- at, at the idea of a conspiracy. And uh, we got a very well-known um, radio show host on, at one time, used to be the only Christian station in Detroit. And, uh, <laughs> He used to go to my church. They didn't want anybody ever knowing it, you know, where he went because he wanted his privacy or whatever, I guess, whatever. Right. But he went to my church. Um, he, Pastor Tim, had gotten me on his program, but I knew I had to be careful, tiptoe around him because as soon as he hears anything conspiracy, you're off the air. He, he'll just, he, he gets, he'll cut you short, say that's it. He right. didn't believe, you know, no such thing as a, um, conspiracy and yet this man and his brother have been abducted by aliens he's got post-traumatic syndrome uh suffering from it 
and he won't come to me because he knows I believe all of this is conspiracy. Can you believe that? I'm the only guy that could give him help and help him get through this. And he won't come to me because he doesn't believe in a conspiracy. Now, I wished I would have had a chance to sit and talk to him because I had run him through some scriptures. I'd kind of, I'd do it gently, but I'd read him the right rack. I mean, look, dude, you're going to be left behind in everything because the more and more this world's out of control, how can you possibly think that it's happening just happenstance right? or uncoordinated? So here's the scripture. Everybody, our audience, I don't think we have a problem with that. But when people laugh at you and think that uh, a global conspiracy sounds so crazy, here's the chapter, verse, text, and book that makes this sound biblical doctrine. This isn't even a thing for debate. There is no debate on this. There is and will be and has always been a global conspiracy. Look at what it says in Revelation 17th chapter, beginning at the 12th verse. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind, and they shall give their power and strength unto the beast. Mm-hmm. And they shall make war with the lamb, and the lamb shall overcome them, for he is the Lord of Lord, king of kings, and they that are call- with him are called chosen and faithful. And it says that for a while the church will actually engage these ten horns and the beast and have victory over the beast, but then the beast will be given power to overcome them. And he thinks he gets this short-term limited power for a while. So there is a war going on. It will eventually actually be engaged on a large spiritual uh, basis, which we are on the verge of right now. That's why <laughs> this one perception, if you don't see it as sound doctrine, who are the 10 horns? which are 10 kings, they don't have a kingdom yet, but they receive power as kings, one hour with the beast. What's the one hour translated at? I don't know. I'm sure that, you know, maybe someone has figured it out, but I don't know, but it's a very short time. Um, And they give their power and strength. Oh, gosh, that's my son, and it's an emergency situation. I'm going to have to go in a a minute. Um, Okay. but, But anyways... Right there, it's showing you a conspiracy. There's 10 people, don't have powers, kings yet, but they will. Now, isn't it amazing that the United Nations, the most ungodly organization trying to bring about this apostate one world thing, they have got the entire world carved out into 10 sections. Duh, do you think? 10 sections. Well, who's going to be the rulers of those 10 sections? Well, I would guess it's the 10 people who have received no power uh, kingdom as yet. But I guess they're promised a kingdom, right? One-tenth of the world is going to be under their control. Right. Because they give their power and strength to the beast. The beast gives them a reward. Here's your kingdom. Here's your power. That's a global conspiracy, people. A global conspiracy of ten, probably, what, the richest, most powerful, influential people on the planet that have all invested their time, money, effort, and everything else um, because they're working with the God of this world. They already have privy to Secret knowledge. Secret knowledge would enable them to what? Drink baby's blood and live forever. To um, um, be able to travel through time, because that power was given oh to the nicest people on the earth, the Nazis, and of course we brought the infrastructure of them into our own country, and we got converted from within. So guess who's working on all that stuff now? We are. 
Um, that's right out of Daniel's second chapter. All of this stuff is backed by scripture. All of this stuff is real. If you don't get it by now that there's a global conspiracy, you are clueless to understand anything that's going on. I mean, my gosh, the, the powers that are, we are on the verge. Trump is aware of some of these powers and he is going to start when it's the right time after this year, he is going to start distributing some of this secret power and giving it to the, as our benefits to mankind. 0.3 energy. Man, I mean, that, that's an awesome idea. Listen, I got to go, so I'll be right back in about uh, 10 minutes. Okay, I got to talk to you. All right, sounds good. Yeah, sure. Right. <clears throat> I'll be right back, guys. Sorry. Yep. So let's talk some demographics about the um, coronavirus. Sure. You've been you've been really keeping up on it. So what's going on around the world with the coronavirus? Okay. Um, so let's see. Where do I start here? Well, initially, uh, you know, this all started in China, uh, particularly in Wuhan. Um, and uh, initially, they said that uh, it came from, you know, one of these food markets, these wet markets, where um, they kind of, you know a little bit on sanitary type conditions in terms of cutting up meat and stuff like that. Right. Uh, not refrigerated and all that type of thing. That's what they initially said this virus came from. But the problem is it was not that far away from where this place was located. It's a level four uh, biological weapons um, lab where they actually work on viruses. So either by mistake, I'd be shocked if they, purposely just release this to affect their own people but this is um you know the chinese communist party so that's what communists do <laughs> they they they'll 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 kill as many of their own people to further their agenda or to keep power but um so initially you know you had to come out of there that there was some type of flu and that you know it was no worse than the normal and a flu you know maybe uh one to two percent, you know, death rate. But then you started noticing issues with them quarantining uh, large cities uh, as it was spreading. Uh, eventually, you had commercial uh, airlines that were blocked from going there. Um, we're now experiencing supply chain issues. Right. If you rely heavily on China for your uh, manufacturing, so that would be one negative aspect of globalism. But the thing that's been echoed is that, um, you know, roughly 80% of people that get it um, are asymptomatic for the most part. Right. Um, I don't know if this is fully true or not, but that's what's being stated. Um, and that, um, but they're basically, they'll, they act as, as super spreaders. And this seems to be the young the kids, um, the, the younger people for the most part. Uh, the people that seem to have problems from what they're reporting is within about a 20% spectrum. Um, and this seem to be mostly people that are older, um, that are most mostly affected, uh, and people with underlying health issues, people that already have cancer, people that have... Uh, hypertension or cardiovascular disease or diabetes. Right. Um, they seem to be susceptible. Um, 
it sounds like about five or six percent of that 20 percent require uh, critical ICU care um, ventilators stuff like that uh, to try to save them and then the other 15 percent do require some type of medical hospitalization um, to, to deal with what's going on but it seems to be the bulk is is older people and underlying health issues but you know do you see some young people that get picked off um, don't know why um, probably some underlying health issue that maybe is un undiagnosed um, if I wouldn't be surprised um, that this thing was a targeted weapon to eliminate um, a certain percentage of the population deemed not worthy to live or considered to be a nuisance to society now I don't right. feel that way personally obviously but you know this is the elderly um, they require more medical care as they get older, right? Um, and people with underlying health issues also a strain on the healthcare system a little bit. Um, so it seems to be very much targeted by large to them. So now the death rate of this thing, um, like I said, initially they said it was no worse than the flu. Uh, the global influenza uh, death rate, I think, is about less than 1% somewhere between 0.5 and 1% right. typically, uh -huh. you see. Um, but as things have been rolling along, um, I noticed that South Korea was reporting about a 4% death rate. Uh, I know at one point the World Health Organization is now reporting at about 3.8%. Uh, but the thing to really pay attention to is to look at Italy. Um, they're, they're on a full quarantine of their entire country now. Mm -hmm. So that should be a wake-up call for everybody. And I think they had about roughly 9,000 tested cases, you know, with with the coronavirus testing method that they have that they identified. And out of that, you know, roughly 500-plus have died. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at a roughly a 5% death rate. Right. Um, so that seems to be where it's at. You know, you never truly know how many are actually infected. So the the denominator of infected might be much higher. Right. But if they're in asymptomatic, then you won't see that. So maybe the death rate is actually lower uh, than the 5%. But the thing that people need to pay attention to, you know, is that this is no big deal or it's just, you know, it's just like the flu. It doesn't. Um, it doesn't make sense for the reaction to mass quarantine like this. So right. something's not not right. I I can't necessarily put my finger on it. Either the death rate is quite a bit higher, or there's only moderate death, and maybe they're doing this to really keep things distracted by you know by something else that's going on in the background. So. I kind of oh. toggle a little bit between the two a little bit. I do think there's some unnecessary death in this uh, that doesn't need to happen, um, but it could be that this is a smoke screen um, for something going on. What that is exactly, I can't tell you. Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, I am concerned for you know the older people that are going to be affected like this. I, you know, one of the things I'm noticing, um, like our own Congress now. 
Uh, some of them are already self-quarantining themselves because they've been exposed to it. I don't know if you've noticed that. Um, I don't, and now the Congress is asking that, you know, they suspend, uh, you know, the con- congressional sessions that they have uh, in order to protect, protect themselves because you know that a lot of the people that are in Congress are quite a bit older, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Right. And yeah. you, you notice, you notice even in some other countries like Iran, um, they've had some leadership die. Now I guess a lot of their leadership is self quarantining themselves to try to protect themselves. So it seems to be picking off, you know, people in leadership, but people in leadership tend to be older. Right. Right. Because, you know, they've just been in power more long, longer than most people. So, but I had this discussion with Jim a little bit. I think what you're going to see is you are going to see um, a significant percentage of older people probably die from this right. to some degree. Right. And it's kind of going to be kind of a shifting of the guard, you know, from that generation to the generation that is a little younger, maybe to some degree, uh-huh. not, uh-huh. not in total, but a significant part of it. So, and this may be part of the plan. I don't know, but you know, it's going to be tough. I, I can see that um, we're going to have a little bit of a, probably maybe a two month, maybe a little longer uh, period of some social unrest, you know, in the United States and even across oh, sure. the world. Yeah. You know, it'll probably mostly affect the major cities first. And probably will be the worst there um, for myself that live in middle America. Um, we'll have slightly more time to prepare. Um, we're not less, more or less inclined to, you know, riot and loot our own city um, as a people. Um, I like to think that, you know, like in the area I live, that we'd be more inclined to come together than to fight against each other. But, you know, we'll have to see. Yeah, yeah. Um, overcome human nature. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be difficult. I, it is. Um, but I think the, the thing is, is I know in California already, they're already starting to have quarantine sections of parts of cities and stuff where they're quarantining people and not letting them leave. Mm-hmm. But that's no surprise to he- probably hear that about California. Right. Um, I think especially in those areas where you have, you have a lot more homeless and stuff. I think there's going to be problems with that. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Well, going to be some people don't have any hygiene at all whatsoever. Well, that's just it, you know, so, you know, there's going to be, you know, a lot of the things I've been seeing in San Francisco, just with, you know, people um, defecating um, on the streets and stuff. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a problem from, from a sanitation standpoint, because this, um, this thing has already been proven to spread through, you know, uh, fecal matter or that type of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So you can actually breathe it in and, and, and actually get, you know, this virus from that. So, Right. I, w- I was just looking at something that has um, – this is from uh, the worldmeter.info, and I don't know who puts this out. Um. It says the COVID-19 coronavirus death rate. God, I hate to be morbid, but this I is something we have to look at. Globally, about yeah, this point, is a. It says globally about 3.4% of reported COVID-19 cases have died. Okay, 
So anyway, um, there are some other factoids down here too. I wanted to look at. Um, Did you? Oh, I'm back, guys. Okay. Yep. Just uh, give us a second there, Jim. Uh, it says uh, asked at a press conference on February 4th what the current mortality rate was, um, or fatality rate. Um, and that's funny. They call it the CFR. Isn't that funny? Uh, current fatality rate. Um, yeah. An, an official with the China NHC said that um, 90%, 97% of the country's total deaths, uh, which were 414, were in the Hubei province. A mortality rate in Wuhan was 4.9%. Mortality rate in Hubei province was 3.1%. Mortality rate nationwide was 2.1%. Um, so, go ahead. So, yeah. So I want to reiterate this on China. We can't believe the numbers that come out of China. Oh, I, I agree. Okay. I and the reason for that is they are actually sending people home that are infected, right, to die, saying that they're recovered. And well, people need to you. people people need to know that. What about um, the what about what was going on in, in Wuhan? I I saw a film clip today and. I could understand, you know, they were saying that the birds were swirling, uh, crows were swirling in masses, <laughs> and everybody was kind of freaking out, wondering what's going on. Well, well, I live in the desert, believe me, I know. And crows, crows are like a northern version of what you have out west, where there's vultures. Right. Um, crows are just like vultures; they mostly eat on on carrot, dead dead flesh. They can sense when something is dying. And so when they do, they start circling a big circle, almost like a tornado. And what they're doing is they're waiting. Early bird gets the worm or the meat. So they're waiting. And when this thing becomes vulnerable or dead, it finally is dead. Then they all swoop down and and uh, and dine. And so the bird part, I get. But what about them fish? Did you see? Did you either one of you guys see that film? Yeah, I. I saw it too. The fish that were fish flapping were themselves jumping, out, uh, jumping out of the water, jumping right onto out the shore. Of the shore. Yeah. And something flipped them out. Now, uh, my curiosity is: is this all fish? It looked to me there was only one species, one type of fish that was jumping out. Yep. And again, we've seen this kind of technology in the past. We've seen, you know, certain birds with only only specific species of bird. You know, suddenly all of a sudden, you know, robins or. Uh, or was it red-winged blackbirds were falling out of the sky in in um, Arizona uh, somewhere? Ar- it was Louisiana Arkansas. or something. It's yeah. Ar- Arkansas. It was Arkansas. Um, <laughs> then, like in my hometown, or when I lived in Roswell, it was all the trout went belly up in the in the what I call a pond. He calls it a lake. Um, in Detroit, it was all of the in the Rouge River. It was it was all of the uh, what we call them Chad or uh, silver bass are actually uh, a step away from being a carp. They're a bottom feeder scavenger um, and calling them a silver bass is kind of like a we don't want to admit that we're catching carp to eat but well, it's so an we'll insult to bass everywhere. Yeah, it's uh. an insult. So I mean so it's, you know, we've seen this kind of technology of, 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 of species specific uh, attacks that cause the birds to, you know, just suddenly die. Um, so it's got to make you wonder is, now we've discussed this, we've talked about, you know, the, the genetics that maybe 
the Chinese are being targeted. Maybe this um, coronavirus is actually specifically targeted for Asian peoples. Um, you know, and that that thought has been kicked around by more than just you know us. Um, well, I think it's genetically targeted to, to um, take out the elderly and take out uh, anybody with underlying health issues, like you know what they would deem to be a strain on society from an economic or healthcare standpoint. Basically, um, doing what the Nazis did. Uh, openly eugenics for the disease final yeah final solution. yeah the final solution is to kill off not anybody worthy to live now it's interesting to hear some people's response to this well we have too many people in the world so this is probably a good thing i'm thinking wow you know uh, unless it's what them. if it's what if what if it's your mom or dad or yeah. your grandma or grandpa but you know is it is it fine then oh wait it's personal now so now it's not okay. So if it's not okay for you, then it's not okay that it's someone else either. So, right. Kind of like an abortion under any term is still murder. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, well, I think it's multifaceted. It could be for a lot of different things. My son, David, brought up a very interesting idea. He says, Dad, if he says, well, everybody, well, right now, Everybody is the, the the baby boomers are upset with the millennials because the millennials don't seem to know any deductive logical reasoning and just you know just really out of touch with um, even knowing how to communicate with people because they've been raised on a cell phone, not reality, and on video games and stuff. So there's there's a disconnect there, uh, and the millennials call everybody older than them as boomers. So they don't even understand that there's this other group called Gen X. Now, the, the elite, the media, society, media influence, they're busy causing the millennial and the boomers to be arguing and disputing each other. And quietly, in time, <laughs> I'm a middle-aged boomer, but anybody under 55 now has assumed total control. I mean, and anybody over 55 has left the job market. Most of them are not working anymore. Most boomers are no longer in the job market. They're not working anymore. The Gen X has suddenly slipped into being the senior members of every facet of government and society on every level every skill, trade, um, you name it, the Gen Xers are now the senior people in all crafts and trades and medicine in every aspect of our lives. They are in control because the boomers are retired. And who do they use to form their new um, people that they're going to form and, and mold for the future? The millennials. So, my uh, my son says, they, they, uh, Dad, who who is almost everybody's mentors after you become a dad and then your kids have kids? It's grandma and grandpa. Remember what my grandpa did for me. Remember what your grandpa did for you. That generation becomes the mentors for, for the grandchildren. So think about it. If that's true. Who gets to minister soundness and rightness 
and correctness for the millennials, it would be the boomers. But where, because it would, because only because they would receive from grandma and grandpa because grandma and grandpa loves me. Where, you know, other boomers aren't, my grandma and grandpa aren't like other boomers. They, they love me. I like what they have to tell me. They tell me a lot of wise stuff. Well, what if the boomers aren't around to do that? And who is it designed mainly to kill all over the world? It's the elderly, um, which now would be at retirement age, over 60, they say. Um, anybody over 60 with uh, or has heart disease or has, um, um, what was the other one? Um, oh, diabetic. Oh. Wow. Hey, that guess that'd be me, or at least, well, God's healing my body, so I'm not going to be affected by heart and the diabetes is going, I think, pretty soon, too. So, But still, it's targeted to eliminate the boomers. Why? And the total outcome. And again, this can only be orchestrated and even determined by a greater plan of the rich elite. Oh, you know, those 10 people I mentioned out of the Bible, the 10 that, you know, they're in league with others that have the same desire and the same goals. It's called Agenda 21. Um, Agenda 21, people still laugh at. Agenda 21 has got its pro proclamation or its Ten Commandments in ten different languages to ten different nations. Wow! Ten, ten, ten. Isn't that a... It's just a coincidence, right? I'm just reading into this. I absolutely am not reading into this. The Agenda 21 is posted on the Georgia Guidestones on a 33.3 degree... Longitude, latitude line, and it has in 10 different languages the 10 commandments, you might say, to reduce the world to a manageable population of 500 million, which means six and a half billion of us have to die. And that's their agenda, Agenda 21. Pretty scary stuff. The people, the people that don't see this are the ones that laugh at a conspiracy. Well, I hope our audience can begin to show these people. You laugh at that, you're laughing at the Bible. You think the Bible, you know, I mean, even Christians that are laughing. You know, you're laughing at the Word of God. The Word of God tells you clearly that there's going to be this happening. Revelation 17 and 12. When it, when it talks about the ten nations of uh, the northern tribes that turned into total apostates, they went up on top of Mount Hermon and they started um, putting their, letting their children pass through the fires, um, the stones of fires, or passing through the fires, um, and offer them to Molech. You look in the Hebrew to see what passing through the fires is, and then look in the culture to understand what that meant. They were sacrificing them. They were doing two things. They were having, they were having sexual uh, relations with the children and then killing them and then eating them or drinking their blood. This has been going on probably since Satan, you know, first rebelled. But this has been a religious occult practice that the elite, the ruling elite, have done all throughout history. So when we hear of Pizzagate, and we hear what happens at the Bohemian Grove and rumors of, you know, people that are, uh, once they 
take this, uh, drink this blood that, you know, they're forever changed. We have nanobot technology, which is in everything from, you know, shots to, uh, the Morgarellans, uh, disease, which is a strange thing as a result of some of the chemtrail stuff. I mean, <laughs> Monsanto, it's, it's not crazy talk. All of this stuff has book, chapter, text, and verse descriptions. They give accurate descriptions of these times and these days. But we have a hope. It says, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And these are the promises of them to whom put they, their trust in the Lord. So this is one of those scriptures you can take and use it for everyone, every situation, all the time. Mm-hmm. Now, it's funny that when that was written, it was during the time when the Philistines and the Hittites had the most proficient weapons of the world. They had steel swords, and they were in the Iron Age, and everybody else was still in the Bronze Age. Right. Now, I don't know, you guys, whether you see what a, a, a piece of a, a steel sword can do to a bronze sword. Bronze is a little bit brittle, so it's not going to be like brass, which you could probably just slice right through it, but it shatters it. Mm-hmm. Steel right. will shatter. So you're going to sit there with your little sword and it's going to be shattered. But you know what history records at that same time? You look at the Philistines, you look at the Hittites. They were like the Americans uh, and Canadians. They had the same God, same social structure, same, pretty much same everything, including the fact that the Hittites shared their stealing, uh, steel making with the Phoenicians. I mean, not the Phoenicians, with the Philistines, because they were like brother and sister or, or brother and brother, you know, to each other. But yet history records that the Hittites living on the west side of northern Africa got their butts kicked by the Egyptians. Mm-hmm. The Egyptians were in the Bronze Age, the Hittites in the Iron Age. But they got their butts kicked. So they went over on the East Coast and joined up uh, and lived in Ashkelon, one of the five cities of um, the Philistines. And what happened to the Philistines? It says that um, Israelites were kicking their butts every time, all the time. This whole thing, you know, with, um, with uh, stealing the Ark of the Covenant. You know, because <laughs> they thought they got this great achievement, um, they sent Isaiah to prophesy to say, hey, no, don't, you know, there's going to be a day and a time when that tribe that uh, you think you defeated, they're going to use you and extract from your root a shell for the serpent to hide in. And so the symbolism there is just uncanny. The symbol of the tribe of Dan was always the eagle. The symbol for the uh, the Philistines, who actually came originally from Crete, and from Crete they were supposed to be the alleged Minoans. The Minoans were the survivors of Atlantis. And so going all the way back, one icon always remained their, their major significant icon, probably going all the way back to Genesis 6. It was the swastika. So we're being told when you see the eagle and the swastika come together, this is the activity they're going to do in within their government. What is this, when you put a swastika and an eagle together? What does it kind of look like? The Third Reich. Yep, sure does. And what did they do? 
they were adopting and searching for eternal life. The, the super wonder uh, Uberman. Technologies. And producing space and time travel. Mm-hmm. And through Operation Paperclip, Werner von Braun is the equivalent to uh, the Apostle Paul because they did the same things from within. They they went into the enemy's territory and converted them from within and made them a strange mixture of, of paganism and, and um, Christian beliefs. And both of them did that. I mean, uh, Paul did that and had an influence turned into Charlemagne's... Uh, <coughs> sorry. Um, there were two two of them that kind of one one promote one initiated it and one uh, promoted it, and I'm getting both of their names started with a C. One was Charlemagne. What was the other Charlemagne one? Charlemagne was a later one. The earlier one. Okay. Was, um, <laughs> Constantine. 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 Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So again, one one was the initiator, the other promoted it. You know, later on. So pretty much the same. Um, when. I don't want to get off on a on buddy trail, but let's just say that this is how the suppressed secret knowledge came about. It was first given to the people that were the mo- the closest, or at least the person leading the whole Third Reich, who was closest to his father, the devil, Adolf Hitler. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when the when the Third Reich went down. You know, that's why all my videos got uh, booted off that had anything about Hitler, because I'm saying, uh, guys, no, he died on this Vespoggle Snot, April 30th, 1945, according to the scriptures in Daniel 11th chapter. Um, he died. He had to marry uh, Eva Braun because he was practicing the ritual of uh, the rite of Endura, where a male and female had to be sacrificed in the hopes of a res- uh, resurrection. The night that he did it, April 30th, was also Good Friday. That's, again, no coincidence. It's all about death and resurrection, death and resurrection. He was the same but opposite of Christ doing his own death and resurrection. Why? Because he was going to be the firstborn of his kind. What do you mean the firstborn of his kind? Because you're the head of the nation that's learning how to make this Superman it's going to come back to life when they're shot. They're going to raise back up. Um, you're talking about the guy who was in charge of secret technology to be able to create a bending and warping of space and time to travel dimensional and space, actual literal space. Um, yeah, he's the firstborn of his kind, just as Jesus was the firstborn of his kind. So that's why they took it off, because I was getting too close to the truth, showing how all this stuff, whether you want to call me Antichrist or not, I don't even care. It doesn't matter. The spirit of Antichrist is what needs to be known and understood. Um, <laughs> but the fact is that somebody would come back twice. Mm-hmm. When when Hitler went into his, to blow his brains out and poison Eva Braun, um, his aide says, well, where do, whom do we seek now? Where do we go? He says, go west and wait for the coming one. And the coming one was a Something that every occult initiate exactly knew. It was a, it was the calling of uh, Maitreya. They go by all kinds of different names, but basically the Maitreya, uh, the one that would 
return to usher in this new age of enlightenment and everything. Right. So he's saying, go west, wait for him. So something is happening in the west. Well, it has been. The Nazis never lost the war. They just moved their, they just changed their address to America. That's right out of second chapter of, um, uh, Daniel, when Daniel's given the interpretation of the dream to King Nebuchadnezzar. Um, it was like two of them are, they shall mingle their seed with men, but shall not cleave one to another, even as iron doesn't mix with clay. But it says that, that the two would eventually come together who were once opposed against each other. They would come together. Yeah, Joshua and Caleb were told not to take the spoils of war and decide yourself because you'll be changed from within. Exactly what Paperclip did with us. So, I mean, the whole thing, everything we're experiencing right now, why we're experiencing it, is all part of a global elite plan. And if you don't understand that part of a global elite that is going to be in control and manipulating on the highest level with Satan, then none of this, I don't see how any of this stuff can make a lot of sense. The new uh, Project Camelot, uh, including that one guy that's on, not the bad hair day guy from Alien of um, Ancient Aliens, but um, the other one, and I can't think of his name, blonde haired, fair, fair looking kind of guy. Um, he's doing a lot now recently, and they're trying to explain it. You know, within within this inner earth, there's there's different cabals working with different people, and they all have different agendas, and they all have different shades of of evil, and some are actually maybe good. This is calling evil good and good evil. This is baloney. There's nothing that is down there that is good anymore. They're all rebels. They're all part of a rebel alliance. Um, <coughs> and isn't it funny that all this activity is going on in the Antarctic, and everybody's looking for what? Uh, 200 million Chinese to cross the river Euphrates to to be a part of the final battle. And now we're looking at almost an annihilation of the Chinese people. Mm-hmm. I got good news for them, but they already knew it. They're not the ones crossing over the Euphrates River. Euphrates River's got nothing to do with, with any of this. But the Antarctic does. A fortress of defense surrounded by ivory, um, like an ivory wall. Yeah, it's got a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. So there's just so many scriptures that clearly tell us it's all layered information. Now, if you don't understand the first basic one that there is a global elite that's in control, then none of this, none of the rest is going to make any sense. You're going to be swayed into believing the cosmic Christ. You're going to be swayed into believing that some of some of these so-called aliens or fallen angels are actually really good ones. They're just trying to, you know, <laughs> you don't believe the truth, you're going to believe a lie. The Bible says that this great end-time deception is going to be so believable, if it were possible, even the very elect would be deceived. If it were possible, get, you know, there's there's wiggle room right there. That means that a lot of you Christians are going to be deceived until a time when God can make the revealing, the pulling back of truth. Yeah. And it's when when the future becomes our past. The present is revealed. In other words, the the present is revealed for what real situation we're really in because a paradox has been created. The future has now shaped and made our past. Satan thinks he's on Groundhog's Day, so he can keep going back and doing it again and again and again until he gets everything right. Um, <laughs> it was Edge of Darkness with uh, 
Tom Cruise uh, movie. He gets some alien blood on him, and they live outside of time, and all of a sudden he can go through and recycle and relive everything until he gets it right. So he remembers everything until he actually hunts down the, the head alien thing and, and kills it. But uh, that's sci-fi. But again, they always got to speak out what they're going to do before they do it, and this is how they do it through movies and other media. So you have two movies that have already set the precedence for that. Um, but you'd never get it. You'd never understand it if you didn't understand the two technologies that have been dangled before the rich elite as promises. You you serve me. Here's how I serve you. You don't have to worry about heaven and hell. I'll give you an alternate to hell. I mean, we'll call hell is an alternate to heaven, but it's not what you think. It's really going to be a great thing. Uh, you'll have eternal life and you'll have an eternal um way to travel interdimensionally, you'll be living outside of time. You'll have an eternal residency, you'll have an eternal life. And that's their promise, that's what they're working for, that's what all these technologies, where they're focused and going towards. So, you know, when I see these fish flopping out of the water into the land, that's got to be some kind of manipulation of, of species-specific, something's driving them loopy, madness, nuts. Um, and it's got to be the electromagnetic influences. So I'd be interesting to see if there's some kind of connection between even the resonance and sound, like you were talking about earlier, Dave. You know, they could be on the same resonance, you know what I'm saying? So both are being affected that same strange way. There's got to be a reason. I don't see what reason any fish is going to jump out of the water willingly to go die on a shore. Yeah, it's a tough yeah. one. <clears throat> but... um you know, I always wondered, and we talked about it earlier, you know, uh, getting back to the corona thing, because um, it's something that people are really concerned about, you know, and understand yeah. and understand a little bit anyway, um, is that, you know, with this technology stuff, who's to say that maybe um, this virus has been implanted with, I know viruses are infinitesimally small. You know, but they can be seen now that, you know, that we have electron microscopes and they can be seen. And But what's what's to say that maybe some scientist somewhere didn't realize or realize that he could um, maybe uh, implant the virus in a nanobot or, or vice versa? Well, yeah. And, and, and then it could be turned yep. on and off with uh, 5G or, you know, blue beam or something like that. You know, it's... Uh, I think we're a lot, far, a lot farther along in, in science than, than a lot of people give us credit for. Oh, we absolutely are. And this is the way, Dave, this is the way we got to start perceiving and seeing things, because this is what we're dealing with. Mm -hmm. We're dealing with technology that's being used as weapons against us. Right. And we have clear scripture showing that that's what the last days are all about. Mm hmm. So, yeah, but everybody wants to think, oh, it's just normal, normal. You know, does that sound kind of like uh, the scripture in Peter, where they become laughing, scoffing, and mocking all everything as, as it always has been? Right, right. No, no, it isn't always as it has been. We're living in a different world with different things. We've, we've got godlike qualities now where we can, you know, um, where we can clone stuff, where we can interface, you know, human um, biological energy and interface it with mechanical electrical energy my god the potential just from that or like we discovered uh two weeks ago <laughs> it's just it still sounds crazy to me but that <laughs> trump's uncle was given 
from the government every note, every patent, everything that Nikola Tesla ever wrote mm -hmm. from the 1800s to 1943. Mm -hmm. That is some kind of power. If you have that, it's going to take you too long to real. And then when you look at some of the American programs, like the Operation Looking Glass, I mean, we are doing it. We're copying right from his notes. Right. right. But Trump was the one that was given those notes. I mean, these other people knew this in times past and experimented and played around a little bit. Uh, some that knew him or worked with him. Uh, but nobody had the whole picture until um, John Trump, who actually worked for the government, helped or helped perfect the x-ray and actually enabled it to actually work. Um, <laughs> I mean, he was highly esteemed by the government. So when they confiscated all of um, his notes and everything, they gave them to him to say, hey, can you look over this? Is this, do we got to be concerned or anything? He knew they were going to weaponize all that and he wasn't, excited about that so he says now nah, it's just a bunch so after a while you know he got back with him and says you know what it's just a bunch of scribbles mathematical formula and gibberish it doesn't really make much sense i don't think there's anything here to be concerned about oh okay mm -hmm. so he just let him keep them so he kept them <clears throat> and he's you know getting a little there in, in age so he decided to give it to his favorite nephew donald trump right. <laughs> right. oh man mm -hmm. so i don't know if you heard Okay. Go no, ahead. no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Go uh, ahead. Trump had a speech um, uh, two, three weeks ago, maybe, maybe a little longer, and he was talking about how outmoded our travel system is, and he said, um, and God help me because I'm using CNN as a reference. <laughs> uh, well, we live in a modern age, but our air traffic control system is stuck painfully in the past. He said at a White House event attended by current and former Transportation Department officials. Americans can look forward to cheaper, faster, and safer travel. And then he went down, uh, okay. down a little bit. He says, the current system cannot keep up and hasn't been able to keep up for many years, Trump said. At a time when every passenger has GPS technology in their pockets, our air traffic control system still runs on radar and ground-based radio systems. They don't even make anymore. Many controllers must use slips of paper to track thousands and thousands of flights. So he was hitting there, and he's got a better system. Yep. And I don't know what it's going to be. Wouldn't that be neat if if uh, you just paid somebody some money and they transported you somewhere? Well, it makes I, you wonder. I yeah. think that's the technology that he's, he knows we have and we're about to share. To share. Zero point free energy. Right. A dream that a lot of people have ended up dead. When they, once they try to start it. Um, well, it destroys the <laughs> most of the oil market if, if it comes to that. Right. And oil isn't really going to mean a whole lot. Well, he said, no. he said in that speech that when, when this all comes to be, that oil is only going to be used as a lubricant. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Yeah. See, and, he, and that's where the ultimate, the ultimate that I think is so awesome. It says that... Uh, and I don't know where the scripture is, but it does say that, that the Lord looks down and mocks the plans of man. Mm -hmm. The plans of man, not, not, not that he's knocking every technological achievement that we make or anything like that. He's talking about the plans of man against him, the plans of rebellion against him. Right. These elite 
that are getting the secrets of heaven and having them scattered into their system. They're the first to get it. They're the first to reap the benefits, and they're the first that are going to um, lose it all very soon. Yeah. Did you guys get um, that thing I sent to you? It was um, it was a link to a video. Um, not even a link. I was just telling you about the video. You can rent it on. Um, I, I rented it from YouTube, actually. And um, it was called Above Majestic. And it was fantastic. It was it was really fantastic with some of the things that they were talking about on there. Um, Jim, it was like they read all of our books and put them together. <laughs> it was it was amazing, you know, talking about the greys and the and the um, and the reptilians and everything and um, secret bases underground and UFOs and and the whole nine yards. And they were talking about a secret space program that started basically in the late forties. And they actually, according to this, okay, now take this with a grain of salt. According to this, what they did is they just fitted some submarines with this new propulsion system that they had and sent them out into space. And that they were able to colonize Mars and uh, actually able to leave our star system with this this new technology that they have. And it really just kind of rang with um, that guest that we had, uh, Rodney. I can't remember his last yeah. name. Yeah, I know uh, Rodney, yeah. But it, it was really neat because it, it talked about that, you know, it talked about, you know, that what you see is not what <laughs> what's going on. You know, we're, we're farther out in space than you could possibly imagine. So from from what some of I, there's been several things that I uh, have read recently. Um, and one video that I saw on, on uh, I think it was a documentary type. And I did some back searching on, you know, the presenters and everything. And it's, you know, there's some credibility to uh you know, fairly reasonable, and it's like it's something that that um, Nikola Tesla knew all about mm-hmm. plasma energy. Yeah. Now, the reason why we never developed anything beyond our shuttlecraft is because, and the submarine might sound laughable, but I've seen that concept used in uh, Star Trek, even. Right. Um, you know, where their shuttle pods are actually nothing more than submarines, basically. But mm-hmm. a submarine has the hull strength for high gravity, high level and in, intense pressure to not implode. Right. It also has, you know, it it's hermetically sealed, so it's going to be, you know, it could function in space. Um it's very logical in, in some ways. Now, all they would have to do to make it go to where it needs to go is to put ceramic tiles on it, just like the uh, the uh, shuttlecraft have. And all they have to do, this is going to sound crazy, but plasma energy is the key to intergalactic space travel. Because trans trans warp drive. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to talk Star Trek talk? Yeah. Uh, transport. Oh, no, listen. Inside, <laughs> imagine, inside the sun, what they discovered is if they can could send their craft through about a, let's say, a half a minute or so of going through an outer atmosphere of gases that are perpetually burning from the energy inside. But once you get inside the center of the sun, it is a hub of portals. 
You mean like Main, black hole uh, portals or what? Yes, yes, like black hole portals. It's like a hub. Imagine you're going into a center of a hub that can shoot you into every different direction. Well, that and would be just that would be plasma, just like a Star Trek. Uh, well, there was, there's what was what there was a Star Trek movie. Which one was it? Where they used a Klingon ship to, and they they th- they flew through the sun in order to travel back in time and come back in time. Right, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I remember that episode. I can't remember. I think it was. I think you're right. It was on one of the movies. I think right. Yeah, yeah Star Trek. What are the original movies? movies? Yeah. yeah, yeah, one or Star Trek two or something like that, or three. <laughs> or, I don't know. <laughs> But anyways, you know, I've, I've always wondered if um, if black, you know, black holes absorb stuff, you know, and it's got to go somewhere. So maybe maybe uh, a black hole, uh, the exit of a black hole is into a, a white hole or a sun. You know, it's it's absorbing energy and, and, and light and sending it somewhere. <clears throat> maybe it's maybe the exit point of a black hole is a sun somewhere or, or various suns or something like that. You know, it's well. When I say black hole, I should have said wormhole, wormholes. We right. found what they found is uh, right on our outer atmosphere of the Earth, there are natural forming portals. And those portals can take you right through the sun to the center of the sun. Huh. And I, they even call them boom something, or maybe it's from a, a, a video game. But, anyways, these portals take you through the sun. So if you have enough refractory stuff to survive the outer atmosphere, the inner atmosphere, of a because it's a gas giant, the inner atmosphere is actually cold, cool plasma energy that could be reconverted to any forms of energy, but also like a hub to an airport where you have different directions will take you to different places. Now, if that's true, where are our other two gas giants in our solar system? Um, we have Jupiter and Saturn. Saturn. Mm-hmm. Both of those are look at in all of the ancient gods and goddesses, Jupiter and Saturn are both connected to space-time. Why? Because there's a key there. Guess what? They're a gas giant. You go inside, you got the same setup as the sun has. So that there is evidence that not only do we have the ability to travel, you know, we could go to Zeta Reptili or uh, Orion or uh, the Pleiades, uh, and who knows, maybe we have been even already right. there. So the elite has, um, but there's indications that we've already got a colony on Isle, mm-hmm. on um, uh, Titan. Titan, right. I think, is on Jupiter's one of Jupiter's moon or Saturn's moons, and Isle is. <laughs> There's one on Jupiter. Jupiter. Excuse me. Wow. You got it bad. <laughs> yeah, I just got my chrono going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> so. You're going to have the guys from the CDC knocking on your door tonight. <laughs> Say, I'm good, man. I'm good. <laughs> I'll say, well, <laughs> check out my blood then, because uh, you know it, it could probably be used as a cure. Because I'm not dying, I'm not going anywhere. I'm right. Got things to do. But mm-hmm. I told that to one doctor, and they never get safe from it. So who knows? I'll use the same one. Although they're hauling me off to CDC, they're going to use me as a human guinea pig. And 
God, I can let that happen. <laughs> No, I, I I really think that the two was two hundred people that were in that um, cruise ship. Yeah, they were, <laughs> they were they were trying a variety of different possible cures. Sure, that's Using a possibility. I do think they were actually also trying to understand how it spread. Right. Uh, they 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 sacrificed them, in my opinion, because um, they wanted to know if this thing was. You know, spread by just you know, coughing or whatever, like a flu, or if it was truly um, aerosol-based, where it could travel, you know, through the air. I think it's like all of the above. But, yeah, it but is. Because what what they seem to um, what it seems to be is almost like it's almost as if the virus was a sentient being. Right. Not that it is, but maybe nanobot technology is doing it. I don't to enhance it or something, but it's it's almost like for every thing that poses a threat to it, you know, becoming extinct, it adapts and adjusts itself. Well, that's interesting you bring that up because now they've talked about it actually having there's actually two mutated strains now um, that exist. One that's le- far less aggressive, uh, and the, obviously the one that's more severe. So. But I don't know, that might be just a natural tendency of a virus to mutate and be weaker over the course of time. Let's hope so. Yeah. Because uh, if it doesn't, then, then it's also there's got to be a human man-made design that will allow it to get, you know, to maintain its strength somehow. That's the only way it could do it. Because by, by nature, uh, by all natural means, mutations are 99.9% either deadly or, or harmful to whatever is being mutated. Yeah. Um, so if it's if it's growing, then it's it, there's something different. It's it's defying the laws of mutation. Well, the thing is that you know when it adapts, it's adapting to. So you know we've had two different types now, but there could be three or four different types. It seems to be adapting to whatever threatens it. So whatever threatens it might be a combination of culture, uh, how you know people, what they do in within their culture, how they practice certain. Um, medical or lack of medical procedures or cleanliness or, or whatever, but also the climate, whether you're in a desert, whether you're in a, a, a northern, you know, very cold area, um, climate seems to take effect. And then everything that would be adjusted or adapted to, you know, next to climate or whatever. So, I mean, this thing could be morphing itself in America different than the way it would in Europe. You know, let's say in, you know, the western part of America, even the eastern part or the northern part would be a different climatic condition, maybe even a different cultural condition of what would react to threaten their being wiped out. Well, you bring up an interesting point, and my, actually my wife even brought this up, and I, I, I didn't really have an answer for it. She said, well, they always talk about a flu season, right, and that it's because everybody's, you know, cooked up and whatever, so it spreads all over. But you have the flu in parts of the country where – People aren't aren't cooped up. You have it in California, you have Florida. it in Texas, Texas, right? Mm-hmm. And they're never cooped up. Yet they have the same seasonal thing with getting the flu, right? But they're not cooped up. So how does that work? I mean, that might make it even worse because if you're not cooped up, you're out spreading it more more than you would if you were all cooped up. So at home. Warm, warmer weather doesn't seem to stop it, right? 
Well, I mean, normal, is that a... normal viruses <laughs> tend to die out in the summertime. So I don't know what this thing is going to do, but, um, you know, because the flu, they have a flu season. You know, it goes, what, from uh, October to yeah, March or something like that? You know, and then yeah. then the flu starts to die out, and then, you know, they start getting ready for the next season. So Right, uh, but, again, the, 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 te- the temperature is pretty consistent in California or Texas for the most part, right? I mean, it's relatively warm right. in the southern southern part of it. So why why would it not be consistently low with people getting the flu? You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know because it seems to me that if you, if if you're in a warmer climate, you're outside, and if you got the flu, you're, you're, there's going to be more of a temptation to go outside. And spread. oh, maybe maybe maybe, maybe that's maybe that's, that's the I, case. That's what I meant by climate and culture. Okay. You know, it's it's all a combination of things. But so those tendencies, if that's what's threatening it, it seems to adjust and adapt so that it stays alive. So whatever the threat is. It's going to be different in different, you know, in different areas. Right. So even in America, it could take on, you know, two or three different. I mean, life in the uh, Upper Peninsula is very different from California, um, or even, you know, in the true Midwest, uh, let's say Kansas or something. It's totally three different, total environment, different environments. Yeah, exactly. But so they, lifestyles and everything would be different. But you know, Eric talked about being cooped up. Well. Yeah, okay, so, you know, Johnny brings home the flu, and he gives it to his two or three brothers and sisters, and then mom and dad get it. Well, there's always going to be a last person to get it. Well, everybody else is going to be out, you know, feeling pretty good. The other person's going to, well, you know, I don't feel so bad. Then he goes to school, but he's still infected, and then he infects people, and then they go home, and they get cooped up, and the same thing happens over and over and over again. So the the, the principle of being cooped up is 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 a valid one, too. So, you know, it's, it's, well, both situations t- tend to, uh, tend to lead to, to the spreading of the disease. Well, you know, what blows my mind is why are we allowing shipments of products from China right now? Because people, these- people stand to lose too much money. I mean, you can't shift the, um, the oh project, the production of this stuff. Uh, because there's nowhere else to ship it to because we've all sold our ourselves out to China and these places uh, in the name of globalism, and there is there is no backup plan. Again, um, you know, that's, that's been happening for, um, you know, for the Bush administration, Clinton administration, um, Obama administration, all of them, left and right, global elite, have – eventually made us more and more dependent on China for key parts and pieces. Not right. maybe the whole picture, but our, I guess most of the critical elements that we need to make antibiotics, um, they, they come from China. Mm-hmm. My God, how did it get to a point where they are manufacturing and making computer chips and other uh, vital components to our military's aircraft that's crazy yeah it is that's insane they got no business doing having any i mean so so yeah i i get what you're saying it would you know and right now because we have grown so dependent i think it's like 
my God, what was it? 53 to 98% of our daily products that we now have in America are dependent on Chinese imports. Yeah. We wouldn't function right now as a society because we're no longer independent. This is one of the things that, that Trump has been struggling to reclaim. We used to make the best of the best of everything. I mean, my gosh, sometimes um, in my refusal to go buy a, a China Harbor Freight product, I'll go to a, an estate sale and I'll look for a, a an old name um, product, like a, a power saw. Okay, it's heavier, it's awkward, it's got a cord, it's not cordless. Um Made in America back in the 50s, and guess what? It still runs like a top. Yeah, that's right. Because we used to make, when we, when we built stuff, it was built to last for a long time. And so I look for all the old tools, a little heavier, a little awkward, but you know what? They're, they're still running, and I don't have to buy stuff from China. We are no longer at that quality. We could be. I mean, we have the skills. We have, well, wait a minute. Yeah, yeah th- those can be reacquired. Yeah. They can be reacquired. Well, but, but you know what? It might, <clears> take, it might take the boomers to be able to help the millennials to reacquire them because I don't think anybody else is going to be able to. Yeah, it, it seems to me, what could is it possible that this whole virus thing will be kind of the catalyst to basically uh, crushing the concept of globalism in general? Um and maybe reverting back to trying to make well, there'll be more things in your own country, with the exception of the things you can't produce. That is um, what that is what Trump is trying to do. Is he, we want to encourage other nations. We don't want to just be number one top, but we right. want to encourage other nations to be self-sustaining. They can have the, the American dream too. Everybody can have the American dream, but let's do it on nationalism. Nationalism can be healthy. It can be beneficial. We can still work together, but we all learn how to be totally self-sufficient. And then when we work together, we work together because we're friends and brothers. And, you know, it's it's idealistic. But you know what? It sounds better than what the United Nations has, because that's what the, that's going to be the two fo- uh, powers. The elite is designing this all to eliminate independence and have control, the order out of chaos, you know, create chaos and then reestablish the order. Um and it's very evil and very ungodly, uh, very antichrist. So there's going to be Trump with his agenda to make America great again, uh, and then to spread their spread what we have to other nations. Now we're going to be selfish and just self-indulgent. We want to better the whole world, not just us. Because um, people <laughs> here, here's another thing that we don't understand as a church the holy un, not so holy roman empire catholicism and many other churches that don't have any understanding of a spiritual connection relationship with the lord have always taught their people that man is basically evil man is bad he's he's bad and he's going to naturally do bad things so he needs a God that he has to be accountable to so that God can tell him what, how to be good and how to be right because he's basically bad. And so with that kind of reflection, and we have, we have the truth, so you follow us, 
and will point you to the right things to do. So, of course, that's a big major manipulation, and that's what religion has done. And I'm talking about Christianity as a religion, not a relationship with your creator. That's what religion has done. That's why so many people have left the church, because they see the hypocrisy, they see the inconsistency, and they see a powerless God that doesn't seem to be too involved in everybody anybody's life. And so they're taught that man is basically evil and has to have this God to whoop him with a lightning stick every once in a while to get him back on track. Well, that's not our God. That's not what a relationship is about. What true re what a true relationship states in any church that talks about being born again or, you know, um, having the gifts in a relational situation, what's, what's being taught there is, no, it's not that you're evil. It's that you're vulnerable. You're naive. You're, you're prone to believe and trust in lies. But you don't have to be. Because you're not evil. You look at basically mankind. What what does the devil have to do to make one country fight another? Demonize each other. Right? Right. Because what are we basically, what is everybody on this planet? I don't care where you're from, China, from um, Russia, United States, Canada, Mexico. We all just want to live a quiet, peaceful life. Raise our families have our children, grandchildren, our job, impart a better life for, for our family, and just live out our lives. Yep. So the devil has to stir that up and make us hate each other in order to even fight each other because we don't really want to fight. And the only way the devil can do that is to make us, uh, you know, we believe in the demonization of the enemy. Oh, my God, look at how horrible they are. Look what they do and look what they're going to do. My gosh, we got to. We got to go in there and kill them before they kill us, or whatever. And and that's the difference between religion and relationship. True Christianity never taught to go out and wipe everybody out. You get all these people that have religion, and that's what religion does. That's what all religions do, whether it's Christian or any other religion. Um, they're powerless without the Spirit of God working in their lives. Mm -hmm. um, and that's the change. I think we're going to have this reset is that people are going to be in either one camp or the other. There's going to be no graded shade areas to hide in your apathy or to hide in your um, in fear. Um, it's not going to be there anymore. It's going to be one camp or the other. And that's where we'll be able to see wheat from tares by how they're going to respond and how they're going to react, what choose, what choice they make. And we're probably going to be surprised. We're going to see people come to Christ that we never dreamed could you know, who knows? Pelosi can get saved. I mean, yeah, God, it, it could happen. I mean, we have to be open to that yeah. aspect. Yes. We uh, sometimes it's the most wretched uh, yep. sinner that, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, changes their ways, you know, and then then you see someone with a what you perceive to be a um, great, wonderful leader, a veneer of godliness on yeah. uh, on the outside. Uh, but inside, you know, it's it's a ravenous wolf. Um, it's not going to be like uh, people think it is, you know. It's going to be unexpected for a lot of people. But, you know, even the coronavirus is going to do one thing in our society. 
we're going to find out who our real friends are and who our real friends aren't. And yes. Even our neighbors. You know, it's uh, here's another practical thing that we want to think about. Don't don't let your neighbors know that you have um, emergency rations, masks. You, that you're getting ready for this stuff. Don't let them know. They're going to be the first ones with a gun trying to take it away from you when times get bad and their family's dying and they're going to be desperate. Um, don't let anybody, you know, don't don't let everybody know your business, um, even amongst family and friends. Some that sometimes, you know, what does Jesus say? That, that sometimes the worst enemies are out of your own home. Mm-hmm. Um that's where it takes the time of prayerful reflection. Lord, who can I trust? Who can I trust? And just, you know, um, do everything more and more prayerful now. But, I mean, you can't you can't just be loosey-goosey about this stuff. Or you're going to have, my gosh, you know, even <laughs> one of the things when I got here, um, when I first moved into my place right here on the, on the main drag on, um, in Roseville, um, because the street I'm on turns right into the new town center area of uh, Copa Hall and, and that just further down in Detroit, about 15 miles down the road. But um, on there, the guy that lives on the end of the building, you know, he's highly respected, has fought the city over a lot of different things, You know, really done a lot of good work for the community, real nice guy. Um, and... Uh, He's got a lot of respect in the community too. He came, he came over and told me, he says, because I had asked him something about um, this woman that's in between our two places, and late at night I can hear her screaming and yelling. I asked her if she didn't need any help. She actually sounded very cognitive and says, "No, I'm okay. I don't, I don't want your help. I don't need it." Well, okay. So I asked him about her, and he says, "Yeah, she's, you know, she doesn't want any help." nothing we can do for her. He says, you know, though that, you know, whenever I do help anybody and I do, it's through the local places around here. He says, if I, if I had one person, I directly gave blankets or gave something to that day, the very next day, I'm going to have 25 people waiting in line at my doors. I wouldn't be able to conduct my work or business. He says, you might want to be wise and do the same thing. Just don't, don't hand out or help directly from your thing, or you're going to have so many people the next day waiting and wanting. And, you know, I, I prayed about it because I thought, well, I'm ministry. That's what I should do. No, Jim, this would be a thing that would be a diversion. It's just unfortunately the way it is. Look at how Jesus had to go away from the people at times because the people are just too overwhelming. <clears throat> the need is great, but you can't, you know, he can't, that his mission wasn't to do everything on the temporal level. It was to do it once and for all on the spiritual level. The temporal was just the bait to catch everybody's attention of what's about to happen. Does that make sense? I mean, it sounds cold-hearted maybe to some, but... That makes sense. <clears throat> it's um, So I, I practice it that way because I pray about it, and yes, it does make sense. I, I mean... We, even at, at Shane Street, now we give stuff out all the time, but it's a little bit different setup. Um, we're not trying to conduct any biz- business other than our church services, 
But other than that, that's the specific means there. So that's a little different. We are a center that that's what we're all about. Right. And that's what people would expect. But if you are trying to conduct a business or something else going along at the same time, you're going to have the same problem. You won't have, you won't have a business anymore because it'll take right away from it. So you have to go through the, whatever the channel to organized local places are to do the help. Right. And right. if they really want the help and they're just not wanting another, you know, another snort nose candy or, uh, alcohol I know that I, I we've seen this pop up a little bit I'm sure it's maybe more commonplace in larger cities but we have people that are professional panhandlers now oh, yeah. that, that are actually really well off but they they go they go between my city and then another city that's up north about an hour uh, back mm-hmm. and forth uh, panhandling. Yeah, park the um, Cadillac around the corner and come out in braggy clothes. And, yeah. You know, it's it's kind of a sad reality, but it's just like, you know, you know, there's people that are in need, but you can't tell who is and who isn't anymore, you know. Well, you know it's, it's truly sad. It really does make you sad. Yeah. Or if you're driving down the road on the interstate or something like that, and you see somebody that's stranded, you know, it, it used to be that you, you would stop to uh, lend a helping hand, but now you can be murdered um, for doing something like that because you don't know if it's a setup or not. It's a sad reality of what we live in now. Eric, even when I go down uh, to Shane Street when we're having services, um, and I'm down there like usually three times a week, and uh, when I go down there, I make sure that I don't carry any money at all in my wallet or anywhere else because what ends up happening is as soon as they can, soon as some of the people are there just for, uh, you know, a hot meal. That's all they're interested in. That's all they want. And, you know, and that's okay. Keep loving on them. Keep loving on them. Eventually, you know, they're going to hear. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Uh, that's even how, you know, Pastor Steve, who runs the place, that's how he got saved, was coming by just for free food. <laughs> but he was hearing more and more and more stuff. And when his time in need was there, that was the first place he came running to. So the same thing. So I don't carry money because the moment any one of those guys can corner me, maybe going out to my car first coming in, hey man, you got a you got a couple of dollars. I just need a couple of dollars so I can get this, that, or the other. You know what I do? I go, you know, when I come here for services, I never bring money with me because I don't know you. I don't know if that money is actually going to be helping you or whether I might be helping getting you killed. Right. And so I don't want that on my shoulders, on my yeah. conscience. I don't want to be mean or cruel, but I would like to help you, but I can't. I don't know you. If I knew you, then I would know the situation. Now, after services, you know, and sometimes I'll make this offer. It depends on how the Lord, you know, leads me. He said, if you want to go up to the restaurant, if you're hungry, I'll buy you something to eat. I, I'll use my plastic. But, if you don't want actually what you're telling me, then, you know, I, I'm not, I can't help your addictions. Yeah, our church has actually adopted that uh, policy um, when helping those in need. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's it's genuine and sometimes it's, you know, it's, it's not really what they want. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, expose, it, it exposes it for what it is. So. Well, you know, I've had a... <laughs> 
I used to go to Union Gospel Mission down in um, in Sacramento, so I've I've got to see it firsthand a lot. And you know, sometimes they'll come up with a gas can. I need money for gas. Says, okay, let's go over to the gas station. I'll put the gas in the can for you. You know, or they'll come up. Uh, I need some food. And like, I'll say, okay, let's go. McDonald's is right over there. Come on, I'll go in. I'll have lunch with you. You know, and. Yep. And you know they're genuine. If 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 they take the gas, that's great. That means they right. needed it. If they if they won't go into a restaurant with you, that's great. Most of the time they'll say, "No, nah, that's okay. Forget it." You know. Yep. And then I know. Just, I know you can yep. you know them by their fruit. You know. Yep. Hey, um, just to get off on a little tangent here, because we still got like 20 minutes left. But remember we were talking about music before and sounds. Yeah. Well. One of our, our sister that it's always she's always here every week. Winsong, hello Winsong. She says hi guys. I was able to get here at the beginning of the show this time. Early in the show, you were talking about music. If it fits in with your theme tonight, could you perhaps say how a songwriter can be sure the inspiration is coming from God and not from evil uh, or, or spirit, evil spirit or familiar spirit, naughty naughty muse. She's saying that muse means naughty. I looked it up, uh, and that's what I want to talk about. But uh, thanks for what you've been discussing tonight. God bless you all. May none of us get the coronavirus. <laughs> Amen to that. But um, I was looking it up, and I, I always knew muse to mean think because, you know, amusement means a lack of thinking. That's why you go to an amusement park is because you want to leave everything behind. You don't want to think about, you know, your troubles or your, you know, you don't want to think about work. You don't want to think about things. Anyway, um I was looking up the word, and it's it's very interesting. I love to do this stuff, by the way, and you know that, Jim. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it comes from the Greek, uh, musiki, and it, right after it, in parentheses, it says techni, like technical, right? Um, mm. art, of, art of the muses or art of the thinkers um, <clears throat> pertaining to uh, musical, well, let's see, where was I here? Uh, modern spelling in the 1630s and classical Greek Art which muses presided over, but especially music and lyric, uh, lyric poetry. So it wasn't only music and lyric poetry; it was other things. Um, it says the use of letters to denote music pitch probably is at least as old as ancient Greece, as their numbering system was ill-suited to the job. Number scales begin with C, not A, which is weird, uh, because in ancient times the minor code was more often used than the major one. And the natural minor scale begins with an A, but that's not the normal one. Um, it's not the natural one. So um, what I'm getting at here, it's it's, it's going deeper. It, it's going deeper than just music. It's it's actually an art that the thinkers used to use. And what, what you know, thinkers just aren't art, artistic. Thinkers are people that build things. People uh, that. Uh, you, you got to think to do just about anything anymore, you know, or all through history. So there, I'm, I'm going to look into this some more, but, uh, you know, in the following days. But uh, I see the word technique there, and I think of technical, and I think of what we were talking about tonight. And, uh, you know, so music or, or um, what should I say, um, pitch is the word I'm looking for, can be used for different things. Um, a lot of times, you know, I've, I've heard people say, you know, they always talk about how were, how were the pyramids built, you know, and then, you know, the, the cantilever thing doesn't work and the ramp thing doesn't really work. And But we know that we can move things with sound. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. You take a speaker and lay it flat on the floor and then play some heavy bass on there, and everything moves all over the speaker. Or uh, even if you were to play something on on the, the, the top of a drum and hit the bottom of it, you know, it moves it. Um, so anyway, uh, there's a lot more to this word that, that meets the eye. And uh, I think it goes a lot deeper than, than um, we could talk about here, but it, it might explain a lot of things like, like the building of the pyramids uh, using sound waves instead of, uh, instead of uh, mechanical means, you know. So uh, anyway, stay tuned to that. We're going to have to look into that more and see what yeah. we get out of that. You know? Hey, maybe we got maybe we just found next week's topic. Yeah, right. Yeah, let's. Right. Ch- I'll, I'll do some research on it. Sounds interesting. You know, yeah. the one thing, a connection that that I almost immediately came to me as soon as um, Winsong said that. Is that what was that what her name was Winsong? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, the thing is that it's like anything else. Does it if the lyrics or the the poem or whatever form of uh, the songwriting that's going on, does it point to Jesus? Does it exalt him? Does it make him the center focus of the whole thing? Or does it point to man? Does it point to you? Right. Point to someone else? Um, anything that is going to be inspired of the Holy Spirit is going to point to Jesus Christ. So I think that's one of the safest, easiest ways. The other thing is to realize that, you know, that more and more, I, I and I especially don't like a lot of the newer, some of the newer songs. It's, I'm sacrificing my praises for you, Lord. I'm sac. Oh, yeah. What well, we did. There's you know, not a, I'm what sorry. But there's, you know, I had a, when you guys were talking about that, I, I actually was caught off a little bit off guard. And I had to actually go back and listen to some modern day Christian music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think. Uh, what is it, Bethel music oh, or? No. Yeah, and then I I started listening to it. Uh, and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's it's all about me doing something, yeah. right, instead of God. And I'm like, huh? Uh, I, I I never realized that until you guys actually were sort of talking about that. You think about the ones that make you cry. It's because it's reminding you of what Jesus did for us. Yes. It's like you know I. I'm not sitting there, I, I'm sacrificing my time to you to praise and worship you. Yeah. Me, 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 ins- me, shut yeah, up. It is. It's, it is the me, me uh, validation I imagine, show. I, I imagine God's just up there and it's like you're scratching on the chalkboard. Will you stop it, please? Uh-huh. <laughs> and, he has, and he has a deserving right to be that way. Actually, he is, and he's probably telling her, oh, I'm just going to have to win you back right. You know, you just, you know. But it's a whole generation that's caught up into that stuff, and it's so subtle. But again, you know, it's just uh, the enemy's there to corrupt, you know, and, and that's why I like a lot of the older songs. The older songs were all about Jesus, what he did, yeah. who he is, did for us, what he can do for you. Uh, you know, was, hope we sang the Psalms a lot, remember? <laughs> yep. Most of it was based on the Psalms and everything else. And, uh, right. It's funny because yep. when, when I was just doing my uh, – that last history class, the the early church, they were always singing the Psalms, you yeah. know, they, and that, that was one. Of, and, and so that we had that in common back in the Jesus movement. We used to sing the Psalms all the time. So that, that just really clicked when I read that out of that book. And another thing that clicks, and, I, and I'm going to leave it here because we're going to talk about it next week, but uh, she's right. 
uh, Winsong's right. The word muse originates from Greek mythology. The Greek mm-hmm. gods Zeus and uh, Nusemone, I'm, I'm taking a guess at that, had nine daughters called the muses. The nine daughters, ah. the nine daughters were one being in heart, spirit, and thought. If the muses loved a man, then the man's worries instantly disappeared. The man who was loved by the muses was considered to be more sacred than a holy man. Okay, so the word does go back <laughs> farther than that. So, my goodness, I love doing word studies like this. We should just It'll do be... a whole show on word studies. It's be... No, you're geeking out. You're going to put some people to sleep. They're going, oh, this is too much. I can't take No, No, I won't I do it. I promise. But I thought that was quite interesting. She was no, right. I think it's, it's, a, it's so... an important addition that we need to have. But I, I think there's... We're we're geeky. We could probably enjoy a whole program like that, but I don't think the average person is, you know, I don't think you're going to be up for it. Well, I could be wrong. Our audience is pretty awesome, so maybe they maybe they would be geeky enough to like it. Yeah. So the muse is a spirit. And you know what's funny? Yeah. Um, yeah. We we had a you and I had an antagonist that claimed to be a, a genius, and uh, you know we won't have name any names here, but um, I did a study at on genius um, just because this person really annoyed me. <laughs> and um, the word genius has its, uh, it basically goes back to the old Arabic. Um, and basically it, it comes from the word genie, which comes from the word jinn, J-I-N-N. Uh, and a jinn was, a, uh, was a, de- a demon spirit that was summoned to help somebody. So basically if a person is called a genius, and, and you know, I'm not trying to say that if if you have a high IQ, this is you. Okay, please don't take the misunderstanding at that way. But okay, like, Dave, I, I won't. I okay. won't. I won't. I won't either, Dave. <laughs> okay. But it's, basically, what a genius is is a person that gets their knowledge from from uh, demonic spirits. If if you look at the word far enough back. Now I know that's not the case. But oh, that's what a what paradox. The, yeah, right. Well, yeah. I mean, some, some knowledge is derived from, you know, outside source. Uh, sure. Yeah. That, you know, knowledge we shouldn't have access to because of our, our fallen state. So I can I can see that that aspect and that point of it. So, yeah, no, I'm just saying that, you know, it's uh, it's if somebody were to call me a genius, I'd probably say, please don't call me. that. Uh, and then I explain the etymology of the word. But um, but we, we have had people that have. Uh, kind of looked at us like we were ants underneath a, um, a looking glass uh, compared to them. And, uh, yeah, okay, well, yeah, if you want to be a genius, uh, you just acknowledged where you got your uh, your information from, so thank you very much. But, uh, you know, I'm talking to them, not you, Eric. But, um, uh, so anyway, let's move on. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, the only safe way out of that one is just to simply put whatever whoever or whatever you are, how much you know, if you put it at the feet of Jesus and say, please guide me and lead me, because this brain of mine could be the wall that separates me from you, and I don't want that, so I want your anointing, I want you to lead and guide every step of the way. You do that, I don't care how smart you are, now you got the anointing, now you got the best of everything, you're going to be a Paul, that's yeah. pretty cool. Well, you know what's really weird, Jim, is I, every once in a while I look back at the book Unholy Communion, you know, when mm-hmm. I write that in 2010, man, it's been 10 years already. And um, and I look at that, and I'll read some of the wording in there, and I'm like, I don't write like that. That's not me. 
you know, that had to be inspired by the Holy Spirit because I'm not smart enough to write something like that. You know, I've yeah. done that a number of times looking at that and um, and some of the other things, too, that I feel that have been inspired that he's had me write. And I'm like, my goodness, you know, it's like that's I'm, I'm just a, a plumber's son from uh, from back in New Jersey. And, you know, I'm not anything special. I know you always used to, you say you're, you're a welder and stuff like that. Well, I'm just a plumber's son. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not all that, you know, I'm, well. I'm not, the last shall be first, so don't worry about it. I guess, yep. but uh, it's just amazing how you can look back at stuff that you you know that you wrote, and you realize that it wasn't you; it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Amen. I I wrote a poem once. Um, I might still have a copy somewhere. I'll just see if I can look at it. And I don't like poetry, not me. Uh-huh. But I wrote this, and it's it's got such an anointing on it, man. It's, it wasn't me; it was the Lord, uh, and He was telling me something for me to understand. And it was about holiness. It was about holiness, and it was about um, um, holiness giving you the boldness of a right relationship. Mm-hmm. I mean, it gives you confidence, but it also gives you the boldness to speak out because you know. You're you're that close to the Lord in a competent relationship that it's easy then for you to transform into what we all have to transform into in these days, the manifestation of the sons of God. Right. He wants to give us everything that he has for us. That means all the gifts. Now, you want to struggle over some of the fundamentals saying that they're not here at all. I'm saying not only are they not here, you can have all of them. No, you don't, you know. Just this one or that one. God wants to give them all to you, all of us. Right. All of us can have all of them all the time. If we have our lives in a state of holiness with him, we can walk with such confidence in him that it gives us the boldness to to not be shy, to speak out, to exercise. And the more we do that, it's like a snowball rolling down a, a mountain of high-packed snow. It becomes a huge giant ball by the time it gets to the end so that's what god's trying to instill on us in these last days the devil's throwing everything at us right. my god he's throwing us man all kinds of uh things that well things we're talking about people don't even believe you right. can tell people that you know oh well we understand that you know planets and everything are actually formed a lot different than what we thought and uh most of the solid ones are um they're actually hollow inside there's an equilibrium of gravity and all kinds of stuff, and that's just a natural formation. Oh, and but the other ones, the ones that are gas, well, they're not all what you think they are. You know, actually, you get through the outer barrier, go inside, and it can be a fun place to be in. Right. And then you can check, pick and choose and go wherever you want, bend and warp in space and all kinds of fun stuff. But, you know, yeah, it's, I mean, it. I think we did it in this program. You know, we've, we've suggested without the other proof because we've done it in past, in past programs. But um, there's a whole lot more that we are aware of now. And there's the devil scattered the secrets of heaven amongst men. Um, and he didn't scatter to good people. He scattered it to all the bad people. So they have an edge on us on one thing that it's bad stuff. But... Uh, that's where our God is faithful and gives us how to put it in the right spot 
the right place so that we know the truth behind it. Mm -hmm. I love that because he loves us. That's right. So we're going to be talking about music and waves. You know what? I it um, My one friend wrote a book and actually rubbed elbows. He's a musician. He wrote a book on uh, that. It was, uh, let's see, what is his name? Mark Spaulding. I think we had him on our program, oh gosh, maybe three years ago or so. Really? I don't remember that name. Huh. Yeah. And uh, he uh, he wrote a book on all, so he's got a good handle on all of this stuff. So is he available? Might be. I could try to give him a call and see. Okay. Yeah, that'd be great. It'd be nice to have a guest on. Maybe uh, maybe we'll have him on for an hour so that we can, you know, see yeah. us and be able to talk I to guess what we heard, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sounds okay, good. I'll I'll see if Mark might be available. I'll ask him. Okay. He needs to come down here, too. He hasn't been down here yet. There you go. Kill two birds with one stone. There you go. Or two pumpkins with one shotgun. Two pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> You know, you you wrote per, some pretty good songs too. I remember you writing a song about uh, um, paradoxes and uh, shades of tan or something. I can't remember what it was. Uh, you, you'll get it sooner or later. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was a it was an anti Greenpeace. I think it was a brown feet, brown brown rustling or something like that. I don't know what it was. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. So anyway. Well, we don't want to leave our audience in a, it's in a cryptic mode. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I think we addressed a lot of things tonight that were very interesting, and I think that the audience got a lot out of it. At least I hope they did, because that's what, that's what our intent was. And um, I, uh, as always, I appreciate doing these shows with you guys. I really do. And uh, I can't wait for next Monday. Uh, let me know ahead of time if you can get a hold of that guy, Jim. Oh, soon I'll I'll try to get a hold of him tomorrow. Um, okay. I might even be able to see him tomorrow uh, at uh, Peacemakers North, uh, where I used to live, uh, Shelby Township. Oh, okay. So, cool. But if I don't see him, I don't see him tomorrow. Then Wednesday I'll get a hold of him first thing. Um, hopefully he'll get back with me, and we, maybe we can get it set up for next Monday. That'd be great. That'd be fantastic. Cool. Either way, we'll do it. Yeah. So. Okay, guys. Well. You know, the Lord bless you, and uh, the Lord bless our audience this next coming week. And when I, play, when I pray for blessings, I always pray for that we get our our uh, needs first and our wants second. Uh, you know, and I think we should be praying that way anyway. But uh, you know, there's the, the Lord doesn't want us to that we don't get some of the things that we want, but He wants us first to get the things that we need. And those some of those things might be a closer walk with Him. Um, and more spending more time in his word. Um, there's a variety. There's actually an endless list in that category. But, you know, I pray for needs first and blesses, blessings second, not blessings, uh, uh, wants second. And uh, so that, you know, everybody just grow in the spirit and that everybody will uh, be prepared when the day comes when we really need to be prepared. So um, having said that, Jim, you want to close us out in prayer? Yeah. Father, we just come before you. Lord, I pray that as this coronavirus encroaches upon our society and 
Oh, it's going to be so many crazy stuff happening. Lord, I pray that you just keep everyone safe, everyone calm, everyone, Lord, in a position where they won't react out of fear, out of anger, out of uh, anything other than having the peace that passes all understanding. Lord, we're trying to do our part to help everybody become uh, more aware of the spiritual applications, more aware of the, the emotional and how to overcome the emotions. So help us get it right. Help us to get everybody prepared. And help us to continue to uh, network with one another, too, and keep in contact and to help one another. So we just thank and praise you, Lord, and believe you to, to encourage and instill wisdom and understanding for preparation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, guys. Well, we'll sign off here. Okay. Goodbye, audience. Yeah.